U.S. ambassador arrives in Moscow. What will it mean for Russian-American relations? Hello from our broadcast headquarters in Prague, and welcome to the Power Vertical Briefing, a weekly look ahead at stories we expect to make news this week. My name is Brian Whitmore, host of the Power Vertical podcast here at RFURL. Joining me in the studio is RFURL's news editor, Steve Gutterman. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Brian. Welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back um, after so many, so much, so much, so many capital cities in just a couple of weeks. So, John Huntsman, the former Utah governor and former U.S. ambassador to China, is scheduled to present his credentials as the new U.S. ambassador to Russia tomorrow. He'll replace the veteran U.S. diplomat John Teft. And Huntsman arrives at a very delicate time in relations between Moscow and Washington. And on the eve of his arrival, he pulled no punches, saying, quote, There is no question, underline, no question that the Russian government interfered in the U.S. election last year, adding that, quote, Moscow continues to meddle in the democratic process of our friends and allies. So he seems to be striking a hard line note right there from the get go. Steve, what do you expect from Huntsman, Huntsman and what will you be looking for going ahead? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think on both sides, probably the Trump administration and also um, Putin's administration um, will will see this or going to see this as as sort of a, you know, a chance for kind of a a new a new page or a a clean, a a bit of a clean slate, Uh, not entirely clean, of course. But uh, and I think Huntsman presumably will will also see his his posting that way as, you know, that he'll be under pressure to to maybe you know to try to make some improvements, uh, and I think you know presumably on the Russian side there's hope that things can improve, and and on the U.S. side as well I, I believe, but um, you know as you as you as you mentioned um, there's a lot of you know he, he's he he's he's setting out you know he's he's setting out these these kind of uh, uh, you know points ahead of time saying look you know. You know, I may be new. This is this may you know. This is uh, I'm here to, you know, to to make relations better. But you know, there are certain things that have happened that we you know we're not just going to forget. We're not going to mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think you know that that statement uh, to to the the Senate panel that was considering uh, you know his nomination it was uh, was a way of. Of telling the panel, but also telling Russia, look, you know, this, down this is not. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm trying. Um, and so, whether uh, you know, and, and Teft, as he was leaving on his last day, said that you know this is something the American people want a better ties, but they're the American people are are angry. In fact, that you know that Russia meddled in the election uh, and that it's not taking responsibility. So I think that's you know maybe even a concerted. Kind of statement um, by the incoming and outgoing ambassador that look, you know, Russia really has to own up to this, and it's not—it's just not going to—it's not going to go away. We're not going to forget it. Although I have a hard time seeing them uh, owning up to it. It's—it's it's, it's well, interesting. Yeah. I mean, Huntsman does have a reputation of being a skilled—a skilled—he's not a career diplomat, but a skilled diplomat. Right. His, his tenure in China was was considered successful. Um, he was a China expert. He's not really a Russia expert. Yeah, and if you look at the like the last three U.S. ambassadors, you had Michael McFall, you know, professor at Stanford University, renowned Russia expert, close to the close to Obama, worked on the campaign, and it was I saw that as a signal from the Obama administration: we take this relation seriously. When you send an ambassador who is close to the president. It's a signal. This is somebody who has a direct line to the president. We take this relation seriously. McFaul was treated, as we know, abominably um, by, 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 by the Russians. Enter John Teft, veteran, 
U.S. diplomat, a lot of experience in the region, not as public an operator right. as as McFall was, uh, and more, more, more operated Absolutely. more behind the scenes, but a, but a ext- one of the most skilled uh, figures the State Department has. Um, again, a career diplomat, worked in Ukraine, worked in Georgia. Um, and now we move to Hunter, which is something in between. He's not exactly a novice as a diplomat. Right. Um, he's a businessman, governor of Utah, served as U.S. ambassador to China, is is known to have very high diplomatic skills, coming in at a time when relations are at their their, their low point. But as you said, I mean, he, he laid down this marker, and this is emblematic to me of the kind of the stalemate we're in. Right, absolutely. because Russia wants détente. There's no question about that. Um, I noticed this from the statements Russian officials were making at the Riga conference, which I just got back mm-hmm. from. Russia wants détente, but they want détente on their terms, where they don't concede anything. They want détente where we forget about Crimea, forget about Donbas, give them their sphere of influence, forget that they interfered in the elections. That's a non-starter. Right. So I don't. I, I just don't. Actually, I expect more of the same I, under mm-hmm. Huntsman. I don't. I, it, that, that's the the main thing I, I would I, I would say there. If you had anything to I mean, add there, yeah. I mean, I think you mentioned uh, that he he was uh, ambassador to China, and I think I think probably what the U.S. may be looking for is you know someone who does have experience, you know, and is uh, as an ambassador. But is not maybe seen by Russia as being saddled, you know, with, uh, you know, with too much association with with the Obama administration, which Russia is, is sort of concertedly trying to criticize all the time. Right. So I think, you know, maybe the perception in Russia was that is that we can we can, you know, uh, work with this guy, which 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 presumably works okay for the U.S. because, um, you know, w- w- why not uh, have someone that Russia believes they can work with. So, and another story we're following, the Ukrainian filmmaker, Oleh Sensov, who was seized by Russian authorities in Crimea and convicted on what are, were widely believed to be trumped-up terrorism charges, has sort of gone missing. Um, early last month, reports surfaced that Sensov was being moved from a prison in the Siberian city of Irkutsk to one in the Ural city of Chelyabinsk. But since then, his lawyers claim they don't know exactly where he is. In a letter Sensov recently smuggled, had smuggled out of prison via a journalist claimed he's being transferred to Russia's northernmost prison camp in the Yamalo-Nenetsk Autonomous Region. Steve, you've been following the story closely. What do you what do you make of this? Well, it's hard to know what exactly to make of uh, you know of of this. Uh, where you don't know where he is, um, you don't know whether he's really being sent to this northernmost camp. Um, I mean, but this is the kind of game that Russia has been playing the whole time since the uh, since the seizure of Crimea, uh, with with prosecution uh, and imprisonment of of people who uh, were against uh, were against Russia's takeover of Crimea. I mean, um, you know, on the one hand, Russia, I'm sure everything that is being done with Sensov is within the law, within within the Russian law. So, but but on the other hand, it's it essentially amounts to you know trolling of of a very uh, uh, sort of you know, I guess you you might call it abusive. Uh, well, the tr- the transfer process is grueling. Right, um, the transfer process is grueling. Um, you know, they I can't remember whether they. Do they not tell the families? They don't tell they the don't families. Tell they don't tell anyone until, until they arrive. 
Um, and it's just, I mean, if you can imagine being transported across the vast distances of Russia on a, on a prison train. I remember when this case came up with, with, uh, with Natalia, with Tolikonikova, the, right. the Pussy Riot case. She was, went through one of these things where we didn't know where she was for a, for a period. It was in late 2013, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, and I think they use this as sort of a way to say, look, we're not, you know, we're just, we're going to treat this person uh, the way we are claiming he should be treated. Um, and with Sunsov, they do seem, I mean, there have been some, uh, you know, some people have been, for instance, um, uh, you know, Savchenko, um, uh, Nadia Savchenko, you know, some people have been released from Russian, from Russian prisons. But I mean, it seems with Sensov that they're, they don't want to, I mean, Putin said something about it, like when the time is right or, you know. Right. But I, I, I think they want, they seem to be taking a very hard line with him. You know, I was trying to decipher some of the, some of the actions. There have been three recent um, court uh, decisions on, Crimea, on Crimeans uh, who have been prosecuted by Russia. Um, and they're sort of different. I mean, one Crimean Tatar leader was sentenced to eight years in prison. And then uh, journalist um, uh, Semena, Mikola Semena, was uh, given a suspended sentence. And then uh, the other Crimean Tatar leader, uh, Ilmi Umerov, was sentenced to three three years, I think it was, um, in one of these sort of it's a it's a penitentiary where you work. Right. Uh, you know, slightly uh, more, um, you know, not quite as high security as as a uh, or as grueling maybe as a, as a prison, but still, I mean, this is someone who is you know said to be suffering from Parkinson's and, right. and diabetes and others, uh, you know, other serious health problems. So you know, it just seems like they're you know they're they're still using this these cases as, as a way to to really. Um, not let up on on people they're they're claiming have uh, you know people who are opposed to the annexation essentially. And we, we always have to remember these are in fact Ukrainian citizens who are seized on Ukra- Ukraine's internationally recognized territory. Russia's using these cases, I think, in a lot of ways to legitimize its occupation of uh, an annexation of Crimea by by treating these people as if they have to abide by Russian law. Exactly. I mean, it's it's almost like what you're links into what you're saying about about. Um, you know Huntsman Huntsman's arrival, where you know is Russia wants the reconciliation on its own terms without giving giving an inch on Crimea or anything like that. And this is the type of thing that they're you know these cases show again that 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 yeah that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to legitimize and and uh, act as if this is um, you know accepted. We'll be keeping a close eye on this and keep our, keeping our eye on, on Sensov's whereabouts going forward, as well as how uh, how Huntsman's tenure works out in Moscow. That's all we have time for today, so we'll wrap it up. You've been listening to the Power Vertical Briefing, a weekly look ahead at stories making news in Russia. I'm Brian Whitmore, host of the Power Vertical Podcast. Joining me in the studio has been RFRL's news editor, Steve Gutterman. And now, as always, I leave you with the soothing sounds of Noise MC. Noise MC.